everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 34. I'm meteorologist Jeff Forgeron alongside Chief Meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jeff. I'm pretty excited because uh, it's been a month, right? We, we Our last podcast was way back at the beginning of April. and April was fresh and young and new, and we had some weather. What do yeah, you know? we sure did. We, we didn't just have some weather. We had a couple of uh, big-time records go down in April. Um, so we might as well just kind of go over how April played out. Uh, first of all, Mark, you took a vacation at the beginning part of the month. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, in theory, I, I try not to take vacations during busy weather times, you know, like um, November, December, January, February. I have taken a vacation once, I think in March, and I think uh, we had a little bit of snow once then March. That was unusual, 2012. But April is a safe month, right? Tends to be, yeah. <laughs> well, in theory, it's safe, yes. Yeah, so you know, Mark decided to leave the continent, and uh, <laughs> alongside your your oh. strong your internet, right? Your internet uh, signal kind of was on and off during. Yeah, trip. yeah. We had a I, my family and I. We had a, a cruise. I don't want to sound too elitist, but it was just a basic, you know, cruise through a large boxy store. And um, we, we had booked that for early April. It was in the Mediterranean on the ship. We had little to no, no internet. It was extremely weak. I could occasionally pull up a graphic, but it was painful. You don't want to have a weather situation. I don't mean like work-wise, career-wise, I was fine. But I, as, as a geek like you, Jeff, I wanted to know what was going on. And it was really painful. Yeah, so just ballpark estimate, like April 6th, 7th, we, you know, we started really seeing a signal on um, the forecast models that a colder weather pattern was settling in and we were going to get some potential for some lowland snow. Yeah, I re- Jeff, I remember just before I left, I left on a Thursday and on the Wednesday night, it was, I remember saying like to my family, like, oh, I bet while well, we're gone on Monday and Tuesday, there'll be some snow here. And that's at like um, a thousand feet. I live east of uh, Troutdale. So I had a feeling like, okay, we're going to have snow in the foothills for sure. Could it be mixed in the city? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that could happen in April, right? Right. right, and it, it's not unusual to get snow in the foothills in April, especially no. early April. Um, no. But, you know, this particular weather system that came through on April 10th was – it was kind of the perfect setup, Mark. Um, it, it, and it really reminded me of a couple of scenarios. One was – and you're going to think it's weird – reminded me of the big heat wave in uh, June 2021. In what um, way? Well, the forecast models, the short – when I say short-range forecast models, when we start getting within about 48 hours or so from a weather event, we start relying on these higher-resolution models that can really pinpoint you know, exactly how hot it could get, how much snow or ice could accumulate. And so sure. yeah. you start in, with the heat wave that we dealt with, you know, the big 116 that we posted at PDX in the three mm-hmm. days straight of all-time record heat. You, know, you start seeing these forecast models, the output come in, and you're just thinking – there is no way. I mean, it's going to get hot, yeah, but yeah. we can't imagine it's going to get that hot. It's just never happened. This and that happened with the ice storm 2020. You know, the you know, the couple waves of uh, ice accumulation we got. Sure. But you know, this these forecast models started coming in. The IBM graph, the Nam Ness, the Wharf. And you're thinking to yourself, man, that's a lot of snow accumulating on the west side. You know, stretching toward the I-5 corridor. You know, we're talking six to eight inches possible. That's what the, the models are suggesting. Down near sea level, mind you. When and, and 
for nerd talk, Mark, the which is what we're let me be clear. That is what we're doing right now. So that's okay, Jeff. You go. Okay, the eight fifty millibar temperatures. Something that we monitor up around five thousand feet. How cold the air is going to be around this time of year in April. You need those eight fifty millibars temperatures to be in the eight to ten degree Celsius range. Yes. Um, Yep. And in this case, they were more like six to eight. It was very borderline, if I'm not mistaken. But the situation was this: just there was just this perfect low pressure system that was going to come in, steady precipitation, and that's the kind of stuff that can cool a column of air uh, rapidly and effectively. And so, you know, everything was starting to line up uh, as we were about 48 hours in, and that's when you and I started texting quite a bit. Um, as yeah, much that's as we right. Could. And, and uh, I never, it's funny, Jeff, I never saw the maps because I couldn't load maps. I could only load some of the text graphics that we produce. And I saw the, the you know, okay, it's going to drop to 33 or maybe touch freezing. I mean, it's going to be a really wet snow, but I kept seeing those big numbers, the, the little bits of graphics, graphic pieces that I did have. But um, yeah, I didn't see the maps after I got back and the, the maps did blow me away after I got back, that low pressure system. And Mark, you're looking at these snowfall maps. Let's say we're a day out. All right. Let's say that uh, you're about 24 hours from a snow event. It's pumping out six inches down near sea level, even at PDX. But you're thinking to yourself, boy, a lot of the event is going to be in the 33 to 35 degree range. How much of this will accumulate and how much is just going to melt away? I mean, I was thinking, let's cut this into half, maybe. Maybe a trace to two, maybe two to three inches max, you know, at, on the surfaces, on blacktop, on pavement. But you don't really <laughs> Jeff, think. To, you, you, is this when I come in afterwards and go, you guys were all wrong. I would have said four to 10 inches of snow in the metro area. <laughs> I don't know what you guys were thinking. You were all right. No. You know what? In my blog post, I did say exactly what you just said. I said, I think I would have gone for the same forecast thinking, eh, models are overdoing the heavy, wet stuff. I bet it's going to be a trace to an inch. I think I, that's more or less what I would have said as well. It was obvious in the hills, like where I live, you know, maybe four or five inches. Okay. That's a crazy number. But of course, then it ended up being way above that. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a wide range. It was like six to 12 inches, depending on where you were in the hills, how far west, north, elevation. I mean, the microclimates really played into this. I remember Mark having multiple discussions with Camilla, uh, who's part of our weather team, mm-hmm. and we were going over some of the graphics, some of the text that we were going to include. What are the expectations? What could some of the threats be? Um, and I mentioned to her, you know, I think a lot of wet snow is coming. It's possible we'll have some down branches, maybe a couple down trees. The wind isn't going to be super strong, but you know, in hindsight, you learn a lot from these weather events in an early to mid April snow event. You've got to remember how wet this snow can be and how much surface area it can cover on these trees. There's so much more foliage coming in versus a February event. Um, and and it's 33 degrees, so you, those little fat, f- wet flakes are hanging on to each other. It's like the in the movies when one person is hanging on to another person who's hanging on to another to keep them from falling into the abyss. Kind of like that. you got a lot of stuff just hanging on heavy and wet. And, so yeah, that, and, that same thing early season. Well, actually, anytime I guess we get a 33-degree wet snow, that's going to happen, huh? And, yeah, and if you're, if, you're, if you're listening and you're not sure if there's a difference between types of snow and weight, I mean, wet snow is so much heavier than a colder, dry snow. Um, and we learned that. More than it, double. I, I have a graphic in there, and I, I just looked at it after I came back, Jeff, and it, it did show, uh, it was, yeah, I think it was more than double. Mark, so this low-pressure system that we mentioned, yeah. it ended up bombing out. And that's actually a meteorological term. Some of you are familiar with that now. 
it essentially means that a low pressure system, which is measured by the central pressure, it, it dropped 24 millibars or more in a 24-hour period. So it rapidly strengthened or bombed out as it approached land. And it was deepening as it moved onshore and continued to deepen as it moved over into North Central Oregon. Wasn't the track about Newport over to Hermiston? About, wasn't that, that was about right, right? It is. It is. And yeah. I mean, we're talking the perfect track. So it was in the exact right spot for Portland to get nailed. I mean, if you think about it, there was wasn't there was almost nothing at Salem, right? It was all it was all from the South Correct. Portland area up to about Longview, and even up north of there. Then they were out of the precip; it wasn't as heavy, and it didn't do much. Right. Um, and so that thing had to be deepening, had to be very deep to start with, had to move just south of your location, and then what else? Oh, and the temperature had to be cold enough in April. And, and at the time, the 850 millibar temps, as I recall, were only about minus five or minus six, which typically wouldn't produce a snow. But it was all about. All those factors had to be perfect. And Jeff, I got to tell you, when people have asked me, oh, is that going to happen again in next April? And I said, I think there's a very good chance that doesn't happen again in my lifetime. It was uh, such an anomaly. I mean, it was like all the things came into perfect like like line. Like everything came into play perfectly. Well, think about this. The last time I saw it do something like this in the lower elevations west of the Cascades at the end of the season, it was March, what was it, 23rd or 22nd of 2012. So that was 10, so it took 10 years and then in that case, it, the low was not deep. It was just heavy precip, just like this. It was like 33, 34 degree heavy snow. And in that case, it was Eugene to uh, like South Portland. And it was like four to eight inches of snow, you know, kind of widespread, which did cause, you know, power outages. So it took 10 years just for something even similar for that to happen. And then 10 years ago, that was only in the third week of March. So um, in April, it looks like the last time something like this happened, I think it was in the early 60s, 63 or 62. And then somebody, I think, where did I see this? Was there another date? Oh, and oh, was it 1935 or 38 when it there was five inches in the West Hills uh, early in April? It's in my blog post somewhere there, folks. Read the blog post. <laughs> so, anyway, I mean, that shows you how rare it is, that it, it probably wouldn't happen again for 30 or 40 years. Right, and it, it was just, it was unbelievable, like the steady, heavy snow starting in the evening, night. Actually, it was more like the middle of the night. Sure. Um, and I remember taking off for work the next morning. Roads were in great shape uh, up until enough trees came down on Highway 26 to close it down in both directions for over half the day. That was a mess. Um, and I, I remember watching the snow just falling on my deck mark. And just mm-hmm. it was like it was like melting on contact when it would hit the layer of snow. I just wonder <laughs> – how much snow we would have actually ended up with had this been a February event, you know, five to 10 degrees cooler. Um, I mean, this could have been, well, here's an example. And I mentioned this in my blog post. Here's an example. The, the last time a low track like that, that I remember that, um, where it was deepening coming on shore, it was, there was a snowstorm in January of 1998. It was an El Nino winter. Uh, we had no snow that winter, as I recall, except for that event. And, um, a low approach to coast as it passed almost right over Madras. Cause I remember Madras very dry, had about two feet of snow with that. But in the winter, of course, there'd be cool air east of the Cascades. It gets pulled east through the gorge. So right. we had the strong east wind. Um, and in that case, I think we had up to 15 inches of snow on the east portions of the east side of the Metro in Vancouver. Same idea. It was all ice from like Wilsonville South freezing rain. Um, and then it, I think it was just rain in Salem, as I recall. So yeah, something similar in the winter would give us, you know, a good like foot eight to 15 inch snowstorm. It was, it was, it was bizarre. It was wild. We, it had ended up for 24 hours, Mark, giving us our latest April snow on yeah. record, or latest snow on record, excuse me, at PDX. That was April 10th. 
And then the next day, <laughs> <laughs> lo and behold, we got enough of those grapple showers, which for those of you that are not familiar with grapple, it's basically snow that falls, but it has a little rim of ice on it. It looks like mm-hmm. a dip and dot. If you're a, if you have a sweet tooth, you probably know what dip and dots are. Um, so we had enough of that accumulate heavy grapple. Um, can be confused for uh, hail, but it was enough to accumulate a third of an inch of snow. So we went 1.6 inches, uh, 1.6, 1.6 inch at uh, on April 10th, and then 0.3 or a third of an inch of snow on April 11th. So all in all, the, the big snowstorm over 48 hours produced 1.9, just under two inches of snow at PDX, but a lot more in our local hills. And um, but that was enough to give us our latest snow on record and a weird start to April. With mu- which mu- with much more to come, um, and we should probably go over. I-, I don't know, Mark, if you want to add anything more to that. Story yeah, actually, one more thing or two more things. When people say how freak of an event was this, and I don't usually use the term freak event because there aren't many events that are freak events, but um, I compared it to. I'd say this would be as out of season as getting a couple of ninety degree days in mid October. I think the latest we've ever been ninety is like October first or second or something like that. Um, or maybe similar to getting three inches of snowfall in the city on Halloween. There you go. Okay. Uh, early in my career in 94, I think, there was a heavy wet, uh, you know, the where we get cool, coolish air behind a front where it's just steady, heavy precip. And it changed to all snow above about 500 feet in the east part of the metro area. I remember it's a, a bunch of trees fell in Sandy and East Gresham. So that was close. That was within two degrees of happening on Halloween then. So it'd be similar to that. Very unusual. So out of season two. I mean, we we had gone... I think we got about five weeks of really mild weather all through March. I mean, spring was here. And then two days of that, and then we were back on with spring again. Kind Enough of. to uh, pull out the uh, the old the old fork. because you, you put Oh, the fork you in went there. You yeah, I did. And, and you know what? We're going to talk more about that toward the end of the podcast. We will. Because, uh, Lots of questions. This, this has come up a bit of a debate. And so oh, the fork. just stay tuned for that. Okay. Um, okay, so a little bit more on April. <clears throat> By the way. April yeah. 1st, when we started off April, Mark, we were highly concerned about the state of the snowpack in Oregon. By the way, it's it's not terribly better in the southern half of the state, but, I mean, talk about improvement in the northern half. I have the, the April 1st snowpack or snow water equivalent map up right now. The entire state of Oregon was below normal – or. Be- had below normal snowpack. That included the sandy, the hood sandy lower to shoots region, so the Mount Hood area. Sure. Um, that was faring the best. That was at 95% of normal. Everyone else was, you know, 70% or lower um, for April 1st standards. We, you know, fast forward all the way through April, and, you know, the rain and the mountain snow came, came in like gangbusters in the northern half of the state, especially northwest Oregon, southwest Washington. But we ended the month, you know, the Hood Sandy Lower Deschutes region, 172% of normal. Willamette Basin, 144% of normal. John Day, 163% of normal. I mean, the northern half of the state is now in great shape for snowpack. The southern half of the state still well below where we should be for May 1st standards. But I mean, between that and the amount of rain that we got, it was it was an unbelievable month of April, Mark. Yeah, um, and it's interesting with those numbers too. With the the percent, we have to be a little careful with the percent of normal. This late in the season, I was looking at some some observations. I was looking at actual graphs. Um, most places, it's not like we suddenly got one and a half times our typical winter snow at these places. Um, what's going on is typically the snow, if you imagine a curve, if you imagine on a graph um, where the snowfall reaches a peak the third week of March and then it drops off and it's gone at the beginning of May, 
Instead, these places that were well below in late March came up, reached their peak, and now they're sitting at or just below their peak. And so now finally they'll probably drop off, but it basically pushed everything back a month. So I was looking at some sites, for example, um, Clear Lake, which is east of government camp, supposedly has 3,200% of normal right now. But then when you look at the graph and, and you see that what happened is it never did, oh, it just barely got close to normal. And now typically in a normal year, the snow would be gone in that location, but instead there's 10 uh, inches of snow water equivalent. So in the end, they got their normal amount of snow, but it's been delayed so late that now it appears that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not bashing your numbers. I'm just saying um, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a little bit more to it than that. Sure. Um, and it's interesting, that test site at Timberline never did reach normal. I'm sorry, right now it's 100% of average, but on average it's melting now. So it never made it to its normal peak. Unless if I'm not mistaken, Mark, the snowpack in Oregon, depending on location, tends to peak in late March. Is that correct? At lower elevations, yeah, mid-March. But places like Timberline, way up at five to 6,000 feet, it isn't, is not not until late April, usually, okay. mid to late April. So it's, okay. you know, lower elevation. And southern Oregon first, because, you know, it's warmer down there. But regardless, a huge, huge change. So really helpful. Northern Oregon, we're in pretty good shape water-wise. But southern Oregon and central Oregon, too. Actually, central Oregon still has huge issues. Basically, it just delayed it a little bit. So let's talk about that because um, I touched on the drought monitor this past week. Every Thursday, the USDA um, issues a new drought monitor for the U.S. Um, And, you know, everybody's hearing about possible – by the way, we did end April uh, wettest on record at PDX, 5.73 inches of rain. We we beat the previous record in 1993 by nearly a half an inch. So, I mean, it was an extremely wet April. That last day was something else, that last Saturday. Friday night, Saturday, man, that was a soaker. It was. Wow. Um, but, you know, I bring up this map, and I, I talk about some of the numbers, and I know a lot of other meteorologists locally are doing the same. It's hard for people to – I think that, Mark, as meteorologists, we have one of the biggest challenges communicating this drought monitor to our local viewers because we have such – drastic changes in, in, in terrain and microclimates out here from temperate rainforest to, you know, desert, um, landscape. So it's hard for people to visualize and understand that part of the state has climbed out of the drought, uh, part of the region rather, and other areas are in some of the worst types of drought, uh, extreme to exceptional drought. That includes That's much true. Of central Oregon. Yes. So, um, I think we need to take a second to explain how that's possible. Um, and I I know where you're going to go with it, and I'll let you kind of take the reins on this. But um, I, I just want people to understand that it is possible to be out of a drought in part of the state but be in a really tough situation in the other part of the state. So go ahead, Mark, and then I'll add to it. Yeah, Um I'm just thinking that here in Northwest Oregon, we have plenty of rain and and typically it's wetter anyway. We do have droughts here in Northwest Oregon and Southwest Washington, but it's pretty rare, but we're doing fine. But that whole Central and Eastern Oregon, this is a third year of drought. So that's why we talk about it over there. Is that is that where you thought I was headed? And then also just the, <laughs> the way that the precipitation comes in, um, it, you know, it tends the, – the, the series of storms that we saw in April, most of them Oh, the westerly the flow? West. Exactly. Yeah, yeah most, most of our systems came straight from the west. So if you, you imagine the Cascades are north and south, so they block a lot of that moisture. For, to get good rain or snow across central and, and, and portions of southeast Oregon, you need systems to be – either going by just to the south, kind of like our big snowstorm, or you got to get rid of the westerly flow because that just try, tends to dry it out. That is why that's one of the driest parts of Oregon typically. So just in the setup this month, I think Redmond only had, or I'm sorry, for April, it's now May. I think Redmond only had average rain, which was like an inch. 
That was it. So unhinged doesn't do you much good when you're behind for the third year in a row. Right. And uh, lo and behold, 11 of our Oregon counties have declared a drought emergency. Um, so that, and that has to do with how they're going to allot resources, um, you know, diverting water, giving priority to certain accounts and, and farms. Um, but I mean, there's, there's going to be a water issue in areas east of the Cascades this year. And that extends down into Southern Oregon as well. Oh, yes. I mean, this is the edge of that entire Western USA drought that we're in. It's only our part of the region. It's only our part of the West that is doing okay from Mm -hmm. Eugene North and from the Cascades westward. Everywhere else across the West is terrible right now. It's it's a long-term drought. It's not just, you know, water resources and how this may affect farms, but this will also have an effect on fire season as well. Um, uh, We saw some of the fire weather outlooks and, you know, significant fire danger, uh, the potential for significant wildland fires. And uh, Northwest Oregon and Southwest Washington have com- been completely left out of that outlook through the entire summer. That's kind of a reflection of how this spring has been playing out. But um, as soon as May, as soon as this month, it's already May, excuse me, uh, Central Oregon is going to be looking at elevated fire danger once we start to get some of those days that are warmer, that are drier, that are windier. Um, and that's going to carry through the summer as well. In May is uh, Fire Awareness Month. Um, so, Seems like a good good month for that, just ahead of the yeah, fire season, right? It's it's a tra- yeah, and it's a transition month. Um, so and, it go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, I do. I've seen this question on Twitter the last few days, where we, where you should get all your good information, of course. Um, but somebody on Twitter said, "Oh, this is like the 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 wet weather here west of the Cascades. This is going to make for bad fire season because we're going to have so so much lush growth, and then it's mm. going to dry out in the summer." Seems reasonable, right? But um, two things. One is west of the Cascades every year, unless we have the worst drought in 100 years, is going to be lush west of the Cascades in May and June until it dries out. And number two, um, it all and we've seen this the last few years, it all depends on what happens weather-wise during the fire season. What happens in June, July, August, and September? If we have a series of heat waves followed by lightning and then back to heat again, that is the worst possible. If we have a heat wave, a lightning storm, and then we get light showers or cloudy skies for a few days afterwards, not as big of a deal. So it all depends on really, and I should say it's really about July and August and that first few weeks of September. So what happens then is most critical. We could be set up with a terrible drought spring and then all of a sudden summer's average with a lot of clouds. And then it's like, eh, not such a big deal, not much smoke. So we don't know exactly how it's going to play out each year. It's all dependent on that weather. Yeah, I mean, if we have a cloudy, coolish June um, without any significant heat waves. By the way, heat waves... The kind that we saw last year, especially, they scorch our vegetation. I mean, they suck yeah. the moisture out of it, and that really uh, sets a, sets the stage later on in the summer. If we get lightning storms, or if we get you know folks that are setting you know setting off fireworks and things like that, um, you know, part of the reason that we see these wildfires it, it's man made. If we can lower you know our risk as humans, um, if we can you know reduce our activity, that eliminates part of the problem. But yeah, you can't really avoid the lightning storms and. Um, so hopefully we don't get a lot of that, but you know, West of the Cascades, we shouldn't be in a lot better shape come summertime. Um, let's Mark, I think, sure. I think we should transition to this fork talk. We want to talk fork. Okay. So I got a lot of grief after, well, I mean, if you consider social media and whatnot, um, about uh, the fork, 
Okay, so just to explain, we won't belabor this, but each year <laughs> when it's obvious that winter is pretty much over, I mean the, uh, and I have a graphic for this, I mean the chance of an all-day snowstorm freezing up the city, when I think the chance of that is done, when it's time to unwrap your pipes, take off your snow tires if you're going to stay in the lowlands. Each year, um, I do that, and the way that started about 15, uh, yeah, about 15 years ago, maybe a little less, people would say, Wayne Garcia, we all love Wayne, he would, he would say, hey, Mark, can I take my snow tires off? Are we pretty much done with winter here? He'd often start asking that in early February, and I'd be like, no, no, wait, let's wait and see how the maps look end of February. Um, and in most years, I've, I've done that at some point after Valentine's Day into the first week of March. There were two, was it in 2018 or 19? I didn't do it till like March 10th because we had an unusual cold spell. And I was like, well, in this setup, we could still get some sort of snow event, pretty unlikely. But um, we've never had an all-day, actually, Jeff, we've never had an all-day snow event that freezes up the city after the first few days of March. So, I mean, even like you said, even with this big snowstorm in early April, um, it came down the gangbusters, but it still didn't shut down the city, except in the hills and, of course, just, just Highway 26 only because of the fallen trees. That was the trees. It, yeah, it was we trees. never had frozen roads down no. at sea level. So, um, so I've gotten some grief after that, after this saying, well, you shouldn't do the fork anymore. You said, you said winter was over. Well, it was over. This would be my response. I totally get it. Okay. I understand why people say, but winter wasn't over. Well, actually it was, we had five or six weeks of mild weather and then we had one day. Okay. I'll give you one and a half days cause we had grapple the next day, but we had one day with a big snowstorm that probably won't happen again for 30 years. Um, so should I not do the fork anymore? Because my my first thought is, okay, I could stop doing the fork thing, but I can guarantee you on February 20th next year, people will start saying, hey, is winter pretty much over? Are we okay? Can I take my snow tires off? And that's, I'm trying to be helpful by doing that. And somehow that's become interpreted as, it won't snow again in the city if Mark pulls out the fork, which is not true. I specifically say when I show that graphic, but people don't want to hear it, um, I say, hey, we could get snow. We could have a wet morning snowfall. Yes, I know this was more than that, but um, I don't know. Should I not use the fork anymore just because in the next 30 years, once this could happen again? I don't know. I think if you want to ask me personally, because I know you're kind of leaving this up. Sure, why not? Bait, um, I think it really depends on who your audience is. Um, I think there's a, there are a, lo a lot of people that really do understand where you're going with the fork. They understand that, you know, we're, we're not going to have widespread frozen roads and major snow issues, winter traveling conditions at, at sea level along I-5, for instance, from here on out. Like that's, that's kind of the expectation when you say I'm going to put the fork in it, but um, yes. you have to, rem and you, you know this, I'm not trying to preach to you, Mark, but it, our viewing population has a you know, a varying level of a scientific background and geographic background. <laughs> You're so nice, Jeff. Well, I'm, nice you know, guy. I'm, and I'm thinking yes. about this drought, this drought monitor. I have gotten so much grief regarding this drought monitor after our record April rainfall and, and snow uh, west of the Cascades. It's hard for people to understand how in the world is 86% of the state of Oregon in a drought. And um, again, it comes down to... Are you looking at every piece of data? Are you listening to every little thing that Mark is saying regarding his fork forecast? Um, and unfortunately, not everybody understands every part of it. So I think that, you know, if, if it was me and you were talking to the AMS and the American Meteorological Society, the local chapter, and you were putting the fork in it, I think 95% of that room would understand if you were doing it. But, 
you know, if you're on air, you know, just briefly saying, not necessarily briefly saying it, but you include it in your forecast and you have somebody that just tuned in for the last 30 seconds of your forecast, hears that we're done with winter. I can see why they would get upset, but I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying. No, you're right. That's, that's a good breakdown, Jeff. That's good. That's a good point. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that, I'm thinking, I said to Wayne and, and Nora, I go, okay, here's an example. So if we say almost always, well, always uh, mid-September, okay, summer's over. It's pretty obvious. Summer's over. Sometimes it feels like it's over by Labor Day. But uh, mid-September, it's always over. And then we have a 90-degree freak day on October 20th. Never happened before. Are people Would people say, oh, you said summer was over. Summer's still here. I don't think they would. I think it's specifically the snow. It could be. <laughs> I mean, if it had just been 60s and rainy for three weeks in October, and then we have a 90-degree day, would people say, oh, you said summer was over? I don't think that would be the same feeling then. I think it's about the snow falling and the snow sticking. So I'll have to think about it. I get, luckily, I've got nine months to think about it. I think that there's a general consensus that people kind of get sick of the cold and the rain, and they look forward to warmer days. So they do look forward to your fork, for, you know, you putting the fork in it because it assumes that warmer days are ahead. Um, but I, I would make the argument that if we had a really dry, hot summer with a lot of wildfires and then we entered a cool pattern and we said summer was over and then we got a 90-degree day in October, I'm sure a few people would be – I can think of one of our viewers, Mark, and I'm not going to mention his name that tends to email us about <laughs> the hot weather. Um, I could see some people rolling their eyes. So, no, I think it really depends on who we're talking to. But um, personally, I, I love the fork. Um, I, I like hearing your thoughts on the outlook. But um, – you know, similar to the way that I utilize the drought monitor, I think we just got to pick our times and our places on when we use it, um, who we say it to, and in the right circumstances, I think it makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's really only <clears> – excuse <throat> me there. Did you hear that? A little, little throat <laughs> issue. Um, I think it's uh, it's happened – well, it's happened twice in about 15 years. So, um, I mean, that the March 2012. That's a good batting and March, average. And then April 2022. That's a pretty um, good batting average. So, I'm good, average. good for the next nine years, right? Yeah. I mean – you would be getting that multi-year, that, that multi-million dollar deal from the uh, Seattle right. Mariners. Yeah, if you were batting that kind of. Yeah, that's pretty good average. Um, yeah, so think... fork, well, we'll see, folks. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. I guarantee you, though, by next February 20th, hey, are you going to put the fork in winter? Do you think winter is over? And I'll be like, mm, don't know. Sorry, not going to tell you. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Mark, uh, there are rumblings that La Nina – could be uh, dipping into its third season this upcoming fall and winter. We we have a lot to discuss on that. We're going to save that for the next episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. Um, but I'm glad that we were finally able to kind of recap April. It was a wild month. Um, it certainly put fire season back quite a distance for areas west of the Cascades. We don't really have and to worry about that. We plan to be on a little more often. We had I had my vacation, and then uh, we had technical issues. We were going to do this a week ago, and then some technical issues. And uh, we do lots of new shows nowadays, so we have to fit it in. Like, I'm on the air in 23 minutes um, and no makeup, and that's scary. That is scary. So I, I'm going to do that. I, I will tell you, folks, um, clearly we have um, – this should be posted by Monday night, the 2nd. And it's pretty obvious after nice, we've got two night, two dry days. We're going to be really wet Thursday through probably Sunday at least. Some of our long-range models are hinting, hinting things get better next week. We will see. I think it kind of dashed our hopes about a week ago. It was looking like that could happen this week. So we will see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's that time of year where you uh, 
You just want to be really cautious about your outlooks because then people will get really mad at you if you say it's going to be 80 for five days straight and it doesn't happen. Oh, gosh, even 75. And, and I and I think, do I have the number right? We have not had a wetter than normal May since 2013. We've gone many years with dry May, so it'll be interesting to see if this one breaks it. And we've only hit 70 or greater three times this year at PDX. Yeah. So will we do that more? I think we will this month. But um, until we come back and talk more about the upcoming forecasts and maybe La Nina, thanks for joining us here on the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. Uh, hope you all have a great first week of May. And uh, Mark, uh, we'll be chatting with everybody soon. Okay, we'll see you all soon. And tell us, please tell us.